Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at a time. With PodPower, our sponsors are making it possible to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a PodPower shout-out to Overdue Finds, an Edmonton Public Library podcast. Bryce Crittenden and Carolyn Land host conversations about books, movies, music, pop culture, and other interesting news about Edmonton. It's a great way to learn more about what's happening at EPL and how you can use your library card to access all of EPL's in-person and online services. To listen and find out more about Overdue Finds, head to EPL pl.ca slash podcast. Halloween happened. It sure did. And it was delightful and it was a little cool, but not too bad. And the next day it started to snow and it has basically not stopped since. (laughs) Well, technically, if you want to get really fussy about it, it did snow a little bit. Halloween night. A tiny little bit. Later, like post-trick-or-treaters, right? There was a little bit of like sleety rain. It was very wet, kind of slushy. And then it went away. And then the snow came the very next day, full force, full heavy snow dump. Yep. Ba-boom. And uh, like a precipitous drop in the temperature. Oh, Uh, it, it was a sharp decline in the temperature. We went from... A little above zero, right, in in the between 10 and zero Celsius range to, I believe it's minus 20-something with the wind chill today. Yeah, uh, minus double digits pretty much nonstop since. So Uh, things got cold very quickly. And my sinuses cannot hack it. Yes. Oh, I'm in rough shape. Also, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. It was my birthday the other day, everybody. I'm even older now. It's true. Yay for me. Hooray. Uh, but yes, there we go. We've, we've covered off all the regular stuff, uh, talking about the weather. Check. Which, I mean, is basically part one of our podcast. <laughs> oh, to be fair, it's what Canadians do. And, uh, mentioning interesting milestones. Your birthday. <laughs> and so Halloween. Wait, what? Covered off all of the bases there. Uh, <laughs> and so I guess we'll just, uh, quickly go into a recap of our previous chapter, chapter seven, in which, uh... A mysterious shrine was found in the woods. Uh, A brief investigation revealed that it was definitely a royalty-free shrine. (laughs) Uh, A ring was found after a short puzzle was solved, and that caused a trap to be sprung because someone forgot to check for traps, Uh, which causes everyone to plunge into Chapter 8 of Questland by Carrie Vaughn. So the good news is this particular trap was customer ready. Yeah. So there were crash mats at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Phew. It's, I mean, again, we're in an amusement park. They're not going to be plunging onto solid stone floors. No, but it is an unopened amusement park and they've technically not been invited. Yeah. So it's entirely possible that the mats would not have been there. Well, and the mats, if anything, provide a clue towards later developments in the uh, trap that they find themselves in. Because, as you say, they, spoiler alert, 
they find themselves in a maze. Yes. And uh, the maze had the crash mats there to catch them when they fell in from the trap, which indicates the maze was customer ready. Yes. If you catch my meaning. Yes. That other stuff is in the maze. Right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All I'm saying is the tower wasn't entirely finished, so it's possible the maze wasn't entirely finished. Maze seems pretty much closer to finished. So far seems pretty finished. And actually that tracks because you'd expect that the stuff closer to the center of the island, where presumably Tor Camelot is, yeah. would be more ready than the stuff on the outskirts of the island. Like Which, that makes sense. Like where that tower was. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and I mean the tower had a perfectly functional sphinx there. It just didn't have anything in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they find themselves in this kind of antechamber in the maze and uh immediately the trap door above them starts to close because of course Torres's first instinct is hey Almonte you're the only one who didn't fall down yeah throw us down a rope and the maze is like nah we're not going to do no, that no no so it starts to close up and poor Almonte with very little time to assess all of her options jumps into the trap with everybody else yeah and her first instinct is uh that might not have been the wisest choice but Torres very quickly is like, no, it was probably best that you stick with us. And, of course, Addy, <laughs> thinking like a gamer, is like, yeah, you don't want to split yeah, the party. don't split the party. But this actually does prove to have probably been the wisest choice. Because if she had stayed up at the ruin, if they get lost in a maze, they have no way to communicate that back to her. They don't know where they're going to pop out at the end of it. Yeah. They could have been miles away from her with no way for her to get back in touch with them. Right. And there's no guarantee that she would be able to reopen the trap door? With a, without the ring, yeah. Yeah. So, yes, it was probably the right call. Yes. Rutger is understandably a little upset about this and is like, wonderful trap you've sprung for us here, Professor. But Torres is like, calm down. Let's assess the situation. They're not completely in the dark. I mean, literally. Because, uh, like, a torch immediately springs yeah. to life nearby. Like, like a magic flaming torch on the wall. Yeah. Lights up. That provides a little bit of light, enough to kind of let them get a lay of the room, but everybody quickly pulls out like their pen lights. Oh yeah, they've got flashlights in this one flickering torch now. Yeah. Um, and they quickly discover a door in the room and kind of an exit out as well. Yeah. Um, and Well, because the only other way out is through the trapdoor, which is now closed and like well above them. Yeah, but I mean, th there are two modes of egress. There's there's the trapdoor and there's a hallway, <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, right. And first things first, they're like, well, let's see if we can reopen the trapdoor. So they begin kind of searching around, looking for switches or secret panels or something. Uh, Eddie even hits upon the idea that maybe the ring might have something to do with it and passes it off to Torres, whose hand it fits. Mm -hmm. And he even legitimately tries a couple, like, gamely tries a couple, like, hand signals and stuff. Yeah, waves if... it at door at the rocks, right, to see yeah. if anything triggers. Um, but nothing does work in that sense. And they decide that probably that means the trap door can't be opened on this side. So they're going to have to go down the tunnel. It's like that children's song about going on a bear hunt. Yeah. Can't go over the maze. Have to go through it. Have to go through it. Before they head into the unknown, very reasonably, they're like, all right, Addie, can you look through your design notes, see if you can find anything about what might be going on? Right. And she's like, cool beans, and opens up her iPad, goes into her notes, and after about 20 minutes of searching, manages to pull up some very bare bones information about an underground maze that the design team wanted to put on the island. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not very detailed. Well, yeah, she basically has a memo. Yeah. More or less. That mentions the Eldritch Labyrinth, which we assume this is. Well, I mean, it, they were dropped into it from an 
eldritch shrine. Yeah, exactly. So it was so early in development, according to her notes, she definitely doesn't have a map. Yeah. She just knows it exists. There's a comment about maybe putting monsters in it. Yeah. So she's like, okay, well, we're in this maze. Maybe there are monsters here. <laughs> the best Addy can figure is eh, probably a minotaur. Like, that would make sense. Well, we're in a labyrinth. We're in a labyrinth. It makes sense. And Wendell kind of backs that up and is like, yeah, that would that would make sense. And, I mean, based on what we've seen, they could make a biomechanical minotaur. Sure they could. If they can build a sphinx, absolutely build a minotaur. Um, and Addie is also like, and you know what? If I was designing an Eldritch Labyrinth and I was trying to gamify it and there was a Minotaur in it, I'd totally add in like a magic string or something that could lead you to the exit so that you have an easier time of solving the, the problem. And Wendell even kind of comes up with a way that that could work. Yeah. He, he basically builds one in his head. Yeah. And he's <laughs> like, that would, it, this would be pretty cool, actually. But unfortunately, they have no such item. Hmm. They're going to have to brute force the maze. And his nerd is showing again. Yep. Oh, Wendell. One thing that I noted here that I, I kind of was interested by is that outside of Rucker, who's got kind of a hair trigger anyway, <laughs> um, nobody's too upset with Addie about the fact that she just dropped them into this maze. Yeah. Everybody more or less is just like, well, lead on. Like, you're you're the puzzle solver. We're in a puzzle. Away you go. Well, they're, because of Torres, they're also taking the attitude of deal with the problem now, assign blame later. Yeah. Right? Like, let's deal with the situation we're in. We don't have time to sit here and argue and point fingers. And They're, they're being very professional. They're being it. very professional and about it. And that's, uh, that's points to their credit. They're, they're being very level-headed and like, okay, this is the situation we found ourselves in. We're going to have to solve it. Uh, professor, you're the puzzle solver. Away you go. So they begin trying to solve the maze. And they, they use very logical solutions to try to solve it they mark the passages they're going in they're always picking the same direction in an effort to yeah like, like methodically go through passages i think it's right they always go right actually always go left oh i had it backwards they always go left uh Addie's drawing a map as they go or, or trying to keep track of something and like these again very logical methodical ways to try to solve a maze unfortunately it's taking a long time because they keep hitting dead ends and the passages aren't leading anywhere. It takes them a very long time to be able to make any sort of progress. But finally, they do start to make some progress. Yeah. And then they then they <laughs> hear the cry of a monster. Some sort of roar echoes through the, the cavern, and they're like, okay, looks like the team did have time to add monsters. And this goes back to the crash pads, right? Yep. The maze was game ready. Yep, the maze was ready to go. So the mercenaries kind of like create like a defensive posture with two in front of Addy and two behind Addy watching both sides of the passage. And then they start creeping their way. Right, very carefully. Until the, the torchlight lights up a monstrous face ahead of them. But it is not, in fact, a minotaur. No. It's a giant spider. It's a giant spider. Because <laughs> of course it's a giant spider. And then the giant spider takes a second. Yeah, everybody considers them. There's there's this almost comical beat where the the mercenaries and uh, Addy are kind of looking at the spider, and the spider's kind of looking at them, and then the spider screams. And then the spider screams, and I was like, okay, I would not be okay. I would not be okay. I would I would poop myself to death. I would be that would be so scary to me. Underground in the dark in a maze confronted by a giant spider that screams at me? Nope. Nope. A couple things. 
Nope. Nita had told me, she had read the chapter first this week, and she told me that she was uh, not pleased with the way this chapter ended. It was not okay. <laughs> Despite the fact that I had heard her chuckling earlier, so which I assume is because of the, the conversation between Wendell and Addie. Okay, before you go on, the reason I was chuckling at that part is mm-hmm. because I got the David Bowie joke that she made okay. about Labyrinth, and I am genuinely surprised that none of the other characters got that. Like, are you... Come on. <laughs> Come on. Someone else had to get the David Bowie joke. Come on. Couple notes about the spider at the end. Number one, the sound that they initially heard in the labyrinth was a roar, not a scream, which leads me to believe that whatever was made, whatever was roaring earlier was not the spider. Oh, no. That means there's something else in there. Number two, the spider literally takes a moment to regard them and then shrieks. And so I'm curious if that means the spider is shrieking at them in a horrifying way because it's about to attack them or if it's scared <laughs> and there's something more going or on. Or scared there. and about to attack them. <laughs> or or it was freaked out by them. Yeah. And there's more going on here than meets the eye. Maybe. The, the spider could be a friendly NPC. We don't know. It could be. Let's hope. Because first impressions, spider is, <laughs> giant spider is scary. Second impression, oh, subversion. Spider is actually a friendly NPC. <laughs> Who's just terrified. Who's just terrified. It's never seen people before. It's, it's stuck it down in a labyrinth. It may uh. have never seen people before. Don't know. Can't say. <laughs> also, I mean, the spider could be, quote unquote, an actor who's just encountered a group of armed mercenaries and is like, you're not adventurers. <laughs> <laughs> I was told to expect a fighter, a mage, and a thief. It's it's the puppeteer on the end of, other end of the spider just being like, ah, there's people. Hard to say. Don't know. Because we don't fundamentally know a no, lot about what's going on behind the scenes. The chapter ends when the spider screams. Yeah. That's it. That is our that is our cliffhanger break right there. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, we don't yeah. know. Yeah. The, the two ways that it could be read is that this is the monster in the maze. It has just shrieked at them because it's about to pounce on them and attack and there's a whole fight coming. The other way is, again, based on context clues... The shrieking spider is not the monster that they heard before and just got frightened by them. Yeah. All of it is bad. You're going to have to wait and see. <laughs> Everything's bad. Yeah. Um, I am a little surprised that of the method that they're using to work their way through the maze. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's good. Mark your path, right? Show which way you went so you know where you've been before, that kind of thing. But I'm a little surprised that Addie didn't just suggest the one wall method. Just follow a wall. Pick a wall, follow it. Wherever it goes, loops around, dead ends, back and forth, back and forth. The only way that isn't going to work is if you have a singular unattached wall in the middle of a maze, but you'd probably figure that out fairly quickly. Yeah. I mean, they are kind of doing that, though, because they are specifically always picking the same direction. Yeah, but they're not necessarily following a wall. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? The good news is it seems very implausible that the design team could have created a shifting maze. Uh. So uh, marking their their passage through is is probably at the very least a good method. So they can always make sure, oh, we've already gone this way. Yeah. If it is a shifting maze, though, I mean, that makes it very incredibly difficult for tourists to go through. You want a solvable maze or you're going to have people literally stuck in there. Yeah. We went to the corn maze. <laughs> several weeks several, last month? Several weeks ago. Uh, we went with, the, with a scout group because our son is uh, in scouts. And uh, we went into the corn maze, which is a corn maze. It's a very simple maze. It's a great big maze. And one group got lost in there for hours. No joke. They were legitimately lost in the corn maze for hours. One of the four groups that we'd broken up. Uh, To the point where 
some people were quite upset. And that's just a simple corn maze. Yeah, it's not shifting. It's not a <laughs> It's made of corn. It's not shifting. If you made a shifting labyrinth, you would have tourists trapped in there for days. That would be problematic. Yeah, that, that would be would a be PR a nightmare. Also, building a shifting maze logistically would be very hard to do. Yeah. Having someone in a maze for a couple hours as part of like a fun D&D LARP. Part of the adventure, yeah. Yeah, that's one thing. Having people stuck in there for days because they're legitimately lost, that's a problem. Yeah, especially when you have monsters in it. Yeah. Yeah, not not okay. So I hope that they didn't go the route of a shifting maze. Yeah. Just because obviously they're sparing no expense. Indeed. Right? So it's possible. I hope they didn't. Because that's, that's, that's actually just mean to your customers. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, something else I want to talk about really quick now that we've reached the end of our chapter. Sure. And I'm a little embarrassed to say I didn't see it sooner. We haven't talked about it on microphone, um, but all of the chapter names recently Mm -hmm. have all been uh, Tolkien references from Lord of the Rings. Twisty little passages all alike, right? That's from from Lord of the Rings. Uh, Chapter 7 is Too Deep We Delved, which is definitely Lord of the Rings. Yep. This one is called Critical Fail, which isn't Lord of the Rings. And it, it isn't a spoiler to read the title of the next chapter, chapter nine, uh, which is No Memory of This Place. Mm-hmm. These are all specifically the Mines of Moria references. Well, I mean, yeah, they're now underground. Yeah. I didn't see it until we got into the maze, and now we're underground, lost, encountering a monster. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is like a hard... Minds of Moria scene here that we're in. And I genuinely didn't see it coming. And I feel like I should have. It's, uh, I mean. The clues were all there. Yeah, the clues were there. Just saying. I see what she did there. Now. <laughs> now. Now. I yeah. see. Um, still a lot of questions kind of hanging in the air. What is this ring that they found? Does it do anything? Or is it just a shiny bauble? Why is there a giant screaming spider? Why is there a giant screaming spider? We st- Still haven't really been able to get into the into the guts of the actual mystery of what's going on on the island. No, I imagine we're going to spend a lot more time solving cool puzzles. That's my guess. I'm I'm into it. Don't misunderstand. I am into it. I am enjoying this adventure quite a lot. So is Professor Addie Cox, <laughs> perhaps to the detriment of the overall mission. Yeah. She even says during this chapter, like, hey, if we solve this maze, there could be a prize at the end of it, which might make solving the next quest even easier. And Torres has to pointedly remind her, we're only on one quest here. And that (laughs) is to get to the control room and shut this down. That is the quest. Everything else is kind of a distraction. Please keep that in mind. Like I said last chapter, she's confusing this whole mission with playing the game. One other thing that uh, she brings up in this chapter as well, uh, which kind of amused me, is she's like, it's interesting this is called the Eldritch Maze. My guess is that they'd try to make it a little crazy, a little non-Euclidean. The, yes. But, I mean, that can't really be possible because you're confined by actual geometry because we don't have weird Lovecraftian geometry to work on. Right, and actual physical space. Yeah, and she even points out, like, that's the problem with Lovecraft is that he describes, he, he tries to allude to things that are beyond human description, and when you try to actually physicalize them, you're constrained by actual human description. Yeah. For example, <laughs> it turns out the color out of space, this indescribable color that doesn't quite match anything on our spectrum is just purple. Purple. <laughs> 
Which, in fairness, the reason why it was visualized as purple in uh, certainly the most recent movie adaptation is because they picked a specific shade of purple that doesn't appear in nature. Oh, that's that makes sense. Yeah, like you, you can't really find anything natural that is of that color or very few things. And that's the specific hue they chose so that it looked jarring and alien. Right. They, they tried. Yeah. <laughs> they, they tried did. to visualize something that is beyond visual description. Yeah, they yeah. did their best. They did their best. Anyway. Careful, you're tiptoeing over to the Lovecraft box there. A little bit. But uh, we already opened that last chapter. We'll keep it shut this chapter. <laughs> I knew uh, you couldn't resist talking about the Colorado space. But maybe we'll uh, we'll delve back into it as we get into next chapter. That will be chapter nine, which you'll want to read up on in time for next week. Yes. Uh, in the meantime, I mean, if you want to build a maze in your backyard, you might need some additional funding because not all of us are eccentric tech billionaires who can just drop a ton of money on whatever they want. To get that additional funding, you might turn to a financial service or a uh, financial institution who might be able to provide you with uh, with loans or assistance. And uh, wouldn't you know it, our podcast network just recently got a new sponsor who's all about that. Do you ever feel like just a number, a digit, a denominator, a decimal, another cog in the big bank machine waiting on hold? online never on time and always on your dime like your worth is only calculated by your net worth in a world full of numbers it's nice to know there's a place where you're not one connect first credit union bank on a brighter future connect first credit union Welcome to the Podcast Network. Yeah, you can also check out the other longtime sponsors of the Podcast Network by going to albertapodcastnetwork.com. Mm -hmm. While you're there, you'll see other member podcasts on a myriad of topics. <laughs> probably there's one there that you'll like. You can check it out by downloading it on your podcatcher of choice. It's probably where you're catching our pod. Yes. Give us a little rating and review. Oh, we'd like that. You could also reach out to us on social media. Yeah, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. Pick your favorite. We're at the read-along at virtually all of the above. Yes. You can also send us an email. Yeah, we are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. Mm, giant spiders. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along and check out our group on Goodreads.com.